0: And guys, we in Ruth chapter number one this morning, if you have your Bibles or your devices. Uh, But while you're turning there, I do want to tell you a little bit about how my morning went today. So before the first service, I'm walking around the hallways kind of greeting people. And I walk up on this group of ladies, and I walk up, and in my typical kind of awkward fashion, I said, this must be where the party's at. They kind of looked at me and said, yeah, we're talking about you. Now let me just, let me tell you this, that's never a good thing when they're talking about me. Or Pastor Mike will tell you the same thing. When they say I was talking about you, that's never a good thing, I promise. So I walk up and I say, okay, so I'm trying to get in there and figure out what they're talking about. And I said, listen, it's not true. I promise it's not true. They said, well, it may be. I said, well, it's not true. If it was bad, I didn't do it. If it's good, oh yeah, it's all, it's all me. I said, yeah, Pastor Mike did it today. I? I said, yes, he did. And he decided to leave the country. He was just trying to escape. He knew you guys were going to be here to find him this morning. So he just ran away. Amen, right? If you guys don't know, our senior pastor, uh, Mike, is in Swaziland now. We did get an update that they are at the hotel. They have made it successfully there. And they will prepare to go out and to um, share the gospel. They'll be teaching the pastors this week. They'll be teaching exposition, exegesis, and a bunch of other words that start with an X. So, uh, basically, they're going to be teaching how to properly derive and preach the scriptures throughout this week to a group of South African pastors. So, we're just thankful for those types of opportunities to be able to go and do those things, to be a part of those types of missions things. So, we're just thankful you guys support us in all of those endeavors. Um, Ruth chapter number one is where we're going to be, and we're going to, um, we're going to dive into it pretty hard this morning. We're going to read... Uh, a fair amount of scripture, but there's a reason for all of it. So if you would, if you're physically able, if you'd stand with me this morning, we're going to start in verse number one of Ruth chapter one. Here we go.
1: In the days
0: when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Verse two, the, the name of the man was Elimelech. And the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Maulon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. Verse four. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. They lived, they lived there about 10 years, and both Maulon and Kilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Verse 6, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the field of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We're thankful for, we're thankful for what it means, what we can glean from it, and just how we can apply it to our lives. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to continue reading just a little bit, but I'm going to be nice to you because I don't want you to have to stand for a long period of time. We're going to continue on in verse 15. Basically, what's happened between um, verse 7 and verse 15 is that Naomi realizes that this is not a journey that looks like looks very promising. This is not a journey that looks like it's going to um, bear much fruit. So what he she does is she goes to her daughters-in-law and she says, Hey, you go home. Go home. You guys are Moabites. Go back to your families. Go back to your gods. Go back to the, the life that you had led beforehand. I can't do anything for you. So we see Orpah, not not begrudgingly, not in any type of frustration, but she does as she's told, and she, they weep, she goes home. Then we find Naomi, who may be just a tad bit more southern and stubborn than what Orpah was in the text. We see in verse number 15, it says, And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister in law. Verse 16. I like to imagine her kind of having like a Southern Belle type accent here. Maybe like a Southern, Southern, a stubborn, Southern lady when she says this. Verse 16 it says, But Ruth says, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Verse 17, Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, No more. So, the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of him. And Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, did returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley Harvest. We see in this passage of Scripture a lot of different things, a lot of different moving parts. And if we're not careful, and if we don't slow down, we'll miss it all. We'll miss everything that's happening. I've done it. I remember the first, really, every time up until recently that I've gone through the book of Ruth, I've completely missed something. I've completely missed something. And it wasn't until I was preparing that I saw, really, for the first time, what's happening in this passage. If we're not careful, there's no way we can see it. We have to know where this family has been, we have to know where they are and where they're going in order to truly appreciate this passage of Scripture. We look at verse 2. Not going to read as much, just eight verses this time. Maybe not.
1: We'll see. I'll let
0: you see Verse number one says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Verse 5, Then Boaz said to his young man, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? but keep close to the young woman. Women, let your eyes be on the field that you are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Let's set the scene. We know. As we go back into history, what time period this would have been in, we look back and we see this would have happened sometime between 1380 B.C. and 1050 B.C. This period of time is known as the time of the judges. There's a book named after that time period. There's a lot of things that happened in that time period, but really what we need to know this morning is that everything is not great. Everything's not perfect in the time of the judges, thus the reason why God had to send the judges into the world in the first place. So this is not just like a vacation. This is not anything to that effect. This is a rough period of time in the world.
1: So we know that.
0: That's great. Then we also realize something else is that there's a famine in Judah, in the land of God. Now, if we were to just look and read through this the way that I have for so many years, we'll miss God's promise in this passage now, Elimelech and his family were a traditional family in the time. They would have been raised from a very young age to know the promises of God that were laid out in Levitical law. Now, us as believers today, unfortunately, breaks my heart because I'm not either, is we're not as dedicated to the memorization of Scripture as they were. They would have been taught and memorized the, the law from a dumb age. From from as soon as they were able to talk, they're memorizing scripture. They're memorizing and they're reciting it. They're memorizing and they're reciting it. Every day at different points during the daytime, there would have been different passages in scripture that they would have recite as a community. So all that say, this family knew who God was. They knew the promises that God had laid out for them So in order for us to understand where they are mentally, let's read a little bit of that promise. We look back into Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is what verse one through six says. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, your God, be careful to do all his commandments. That I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 3, blessed shall be your city, and blessed shall be your field, blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your flock, blessed shall be the basket and the needy bowl, blessed shall you be when you come in, And when you go out, essentially what God is saying here is, if you will follow me, if you will be committed to me and the commandments that I have laid, I'll put you here and everyone else will be here. A little like new to this. Naomi would have known this. We see here God's promises. God lays out promise throughout the entire Bible. But here specifically we see the promises of God and it's so beautiful, it's so awesome because if we're not careful, we don't know this in the story. We don't know what Elimelech knows. So we can't rightly divide the action in which Elimelech chooses to take with his family. The promises of God. So we know that, we know what's going on, so when we read this passage, now, we have more context. We have more context in what Limelight may have been thinking, what he had been taught his entire life. So when we go back and we read the first few verses, just the first six verses, we see, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons, the name of the man was Elimelech and the name of the wife Naomi, the names of the two sons, Maulon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. The promises of God are laid out. And yet we see man's disobedience. How? It's funny you ask. I know the answer. You may not. So i take As parents, we want to do the best thing we can for our children, right? I've been a parent for like 10 minutes, and I want to be the best dad that I can for my son. So whenever we read through the first six verses of this book, we automatically think, okay, great. There was no food. He took his kids with they food. He did what any one of us would have done. But, but, a little like knew better. He knew better. He knew what he was supposed to do. He knew what God had called him to do. He knew what God's promises had laid out for him. We talked about the promises. We talked about the blessings. Now let's see what else the law would have said in regards. In chapter 28 of Deuteronomy verse 15, it says this. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses, curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Curses shall be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of the ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. God has said it explicitly, definitively, and really magically. You trust me, and I got you. That's probably the way that we would take today. You trust me, I will take care of you. You trust me, and there will be blessings. But if you do not trust me, there will be curses. Elimelech is in a, in a weird kind of catch-22 almost, right? It seems that way at least. He has a wife, and he has two sons, and whom he has to provide for. And, and, and as, as a man, you would think, okay, I have to be that provider. I have to be that decision maker. I have to be that person that steps up to the plate whenever something's going wrong. I have to put myself in a place where I make the best decision for my family. I believe most of us in the room would agree with Limelech here. But this is what he's saying. God, I trust you, but not that you'll provide for me. God, I trust you, but not with my family. God, I trust you, but not enough for me to keep my kids around the people that you have set aside. To the point where sometimes i'll get myself in too far and i'll end up messing something up worse than if i would just got somebody that knows how to do it to do it for me that, i know you ain't gonna raise your hands but man you know you've been there i know it and wives are kind of looking like yeah this is you every time you do something my wife may say that i disagree i feel like some things i do right um but the reality here is that we have a certain mindset about us we have a certain thing that we just have, it's it's almost like, it's a very prideful arrogance, if you will, to where, if there's a problem, I can fix it. Really, men and women both have it. And we allow for ourselves to get in that so deep, to the point where, whenever we finally realize it, we think to ourselves, man, I'm too far gone now. We see that Elimelech is literally in that place where he, he he's really in a hard place. He's, he's, he's in a place where there, there has to be a certainty there. There has to be a, a commitment to where he says, okay, I can't see it, but if I walk out here, my weight will be caught. There's no certainty here. But if I put my foot, if I place my weight on the unseen, I will be able to continue walking. And the reality is he chooses not to believe that. He chooses to believe that there's nothing there. There's no food there. There won't be food there. I have to take care of my family. So let's go. That's the first act of disobedience, just the fact that he leaves. Because we see in Deuteronomy, God plainly says, if you will trust me, if you will just be faithful to me, I will take care of you. Believe. I've missed that for years. I have. I've missed it for a long time. I've always been like, good for you, Elimelech. Sorry you died. Unfortunate. I've always just thought it was kind of an unfortunate series of events, but the reality is that, that maybe his disobedience is a direct reflection of the the burden and the, the, the tragedy that he goes to following that. He leaves the prom, he leaves the land of Judah, he leaves Israel, he goes to Moab, and let me just tell you, they're not friends. The Moabites are not cool with the, the Jews in this period of time. So not only does he leave God's people, he goes to the land of their enemy, and he takes his kids. And race them there. And guess what else happens? Lord forbid, they married some of them. That sounded probably more real and, and sarcastic, but it's really what happened. <laughs> it's what the Bible says. We see that the, the, the sons become unequally given. And if we're familiar with scripture, that, that, is, that is literally that we allow for ourselves to, to enter into a covenant relationship or into marriage with someone who, who does not share our beliefs in Christ. That's what we call the unequal yoke. And that's what the two sons become. So there's a lot of things happening here just in the first few verses. And if we're if we're not careful, we'll miss it. We'll just read it and be like, oh, that was great. Ruth, yay, fantastic Boaz, handsome and Redeemer. Woo! That's what we'll end up thinking, we'll miss it. Why will we miss it? For two reasons. One, because we're too lazy to look back on the context. And two, because we really don't want to know. We don't really want to know that a level of made a mistake here. you know why? Because Elimelech's mistake is the same mistake we make every day. Elimelech chooses logic over God's promise. Every day. I do it. If we allow for ourselves to, we start falling into an uh, a, a intellectual hole, and it's really hard to get out of. Now, understand me when I say this. I'm a process-driven person. I am. I love for things to be the way they need to be, when they need to be there, where they need to be to go through this. I I, I firmly believe in a process. But if we become attached to that in such a way to where it becomes our, our idol of worship, then we completely miss the point. And that's where we find Elimelech in this passage of Scripture. We find him so attached to the idea of being the provider, so attached. To the idea of being the resource, so attached to the, the idea that he has to do it, that ultimately what he does is he sends his family down a path that none of us really <clears throat> want to go. They lose a dad and a little Naomi loses her two boys. They're in a nation that really doesn't want them there. They're alone. And Naomi feels that. And Naomi realizes something that we need to realize this morning. Verse number six says this of chapter one in Ruth. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Naomi is out in the fields of Moab, the place in which they've run to for their needs, and then she overhears, there's food back home. It took him a while, but eventually she realized something. The same thing that we realize at some point in our lives, or we will realize at some point in our lives, is that we have to go home. We need to go home. We're walking around in Moab right now. We're walking around in, in desolation. Essentially, we're walking around in hell, and we need to go home. There's food back home. God promised me that He would take care of me back home. But I left. I went and did my own thing because I thought I had fixed something that didn't need to be fixed. I just needed to wait for God's timing to blossom, both figuratively and literally. And I would be fed. I didn't wait. And now, I'm in a worse place than I ever wanted to be, in a place I never wanted to go, wanting to go back to the place where I was before. We see this as what I call the return to the Father. Ruth and Naomi see that they need to go home. Naomi really does. This is what we see in Deuteronomy chapter 30. This is awesome, guys. This is is what they knew. This is what they should have listened to to begin with. Verse 30, chapter, uh, chapter 30, verse number 1 says this, and when all these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse, which I have set before you and you called into mind among all the nations where the Lord, your God has driven you and return to the Lord, your God, you and your children and obey his voice in all that I command you today. With all your heart and with all your soul, then the Lord your God will restore your fortune and have mercy on you. And he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. Verse number eight. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord and keep all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of of your womb, in the fruit of your cattle, and the fruit of your ground. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you as he took delight in your fathers when you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in the book of the law when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. It took some time for Naomi to see this. To see that God had said, come home to me. Don't leave me. I'll take care of you if you will just be faithful. Will it be easy? No. Will it always work out the way you want it to? No. But in my time, not in your time, I will give you everything you need. Without them. This was rough for Naomi. Naomi's lost everything. Really, by our standards, Naomi has no reason to trust anyone, to love anyone, to be happy about anything. She's lost it all. She even says it. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Lord, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. God's rough on me right now, guys. Don't even be around me. Don't talk to me. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, Because my life is awful. I've lost everything. I've lost everyone. I don't know what to do. But check this out. This is the cool part, guys. This is the part that gets me excited. Because if we look, we see something. Verse 22 says this. So Naomi returned, and Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter in law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Check this out. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. You don't see it? Him, he placed the thoughts in their minds to bring them back at this time because this is when the food was there. Okay, that's not enough? All right, I got more. Let's go. Leviticus 19.9 says this. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You don't see that here? Okay, check this. Levitical law, which was written hundreds of years before this instance, suggests that, or not suggests, it commands that whenever you harvest, you don't take it all. You leave some for the widows, for the orphans, and for the sojourners. (laughs) Guys, this was set up so long before this. Okay, so that's not enough either. Okay, let's keep going. Leviticus 23, 22. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Come on, people. That's exciting. It says, guys, if you leave some stuff behind, if you forget about it, leave. You didn't need it to begin with. Somebody else needs it. Guys, Naomi and Ruth, their life is awful. And the reason their life is awful is because of decisions. But then we see, first we see God's promises, then we see man's disobedience, but then we see God come into Naomi's life and say, you know what? It's time to go home. Where are you this morning? Are you wandering around in Moab? Are you making decisions for yourself? Are you still trying to do that whole thing where you figure it out you, like yourself? Or are you dealing with the consequences of that action? Or, or maybe, yeah, this is where I hope you are. This is where I want you to be so bad because this is where I'm at. I'm so excited about it. Are you basking in the joy that only comes from realizing that I can't do it? Wow, they got quiet. Guys, I promise you, like, If we will realize that we are weak, if we will realize that we are broken, life gets so much more fun. Does that even make sense? No. We're weird. This is so strange. But on the real, like if we really think about this, I want us to to slow down and take out my energy and my excitement. And Let's realize this: God's promise is so much bigger than our logic; it really is. And the day we realize that is the day we fully understand the word. The day we realize that is the day that we truly realize that God is so much bigger than us. There is a um, a verse to a song; it's one of my favorite songs. Um, we sing it; we actually sang it this past Wednesday. This song called "Give Me Faith," and the the bridge really says, "I may be weak, but Your Spirit is strong in me. My flesh may fail, but my God, You never will. My flesh may fail, but my God, You never will." Where are we this morning? Are we taking in God's promises? Are we being faithful? Are we in the place where we are totally committed to the joy that only comes from surrender? Or are we walking around in Moab, watching everything from below our feet, still trying to fix it? We're there, and we're still trying to fix it. One of my favorite things that's happened, the the, the conversations I've been a part of since I came here was a a conversation that Pastor Mike had with uh, someone who came and they were talking about salvation. And this is is the the main point that I thought was powerful. Um, He was explaining what it looked like to be a follower of Jesus and he said, you have to surrender. And he says, whoa, I don't do that. I'm not good with that. How many of us are that way? I trust you, God, but I trust you, God, but I've got to take care of my family. I trust you, God, but the bills are piling up. I trust you, God, but my family situation is just diving deeper and deeper and deeper, and I don't know how to get out of it. I trust you, God. My marriage has failed. I trust you, God. My children are rebellious. I trust you, God. But I've got to do this on my own. If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you leave Moab, leave that place where only death, desolation, and pain occurs, come home. Please. Maybe it's that you've never even met Jesus in a way where you understand what that looks like. You can meet him. You can come home in that way. You can come home and commit your life to Jesus, and you can surrender that control. Maybe you've met Jesus Maybe you just got back into that rut of, I can do it. Lay your burdens. Lay your supposed strength, because there is no strength in it. We are only weak. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. And walk out with these doors this morning, lighter than the when you came in. The only way you can do that is if you just surrender and give it up. Father, we love you. We're broken. Life's hard. And we think we make the right decisions. We think we're doing what we're supposed to do. We're just trying to take care of what we're supposed to take care of. But Father, sometimes we do that without consulting you. Sometimes we do that without any guidance from you, we we think to ourselves that our problems are too big or too small for you, that that you wouldn't be interested in those things. But your word tells us that you love us, and that you want to be a part of every decision that we make. You want to guide us, you want to take care of us, you want to love us and provide for us. But Father, sometimes we don't let you. So Father, my prayer this morning is that... For that person who is sitting out here who is still doing it themselves, who is still carrying that weight, <laughs> that they'll come and that they will lay that before you. They will say to themselves, I can't do this. That I may be weak, but your spirit is strong with me. And my flesh may fail, but my God, you have to So Father, please just encourage us. Change our lives this morning. Allow for us to leave this place for of salvation and surrender. We love you, Father. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.